You're listening to the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, your source for news, reviews, and questions about the cell phone industry. Visit us at www.thecellphonejunkie.com. This is a test of the iPhone and the background noise uh, calling from the Apple store on Friday evening. It's here. It's finally come. June 29th has come and gone. This is the Cell Phone Junkie. We are up to show number 57. I am your host, Mickey Papillon. Joining me today is Joey. How you doing, Mickey? I'm doing real well. Say, it's been six months since we started talking about this thing. And as you just heard there from the voicemail, I was able to uh, walk into the Apple Store Friday evening. That was at about 10.30, 10.45 at night after all the hoopla had died down and uh, got my hands on one and got to play with it for a while. Uh, we'll get to my comments on it here in a few minutes uh, once we get through some of the stories. I have uh, have spent extensive time with it. I did not buy one. Um, I played with it and, and got a good feel for it and, and opted against it, so... But um, what I wanted to start out with here talking about was Friday evening at 6 o'clock was absolute mayhem at most of these stores, and they really pushed people through really quickly. Uh, So quickly, in fact, that uh, most of AT&T's retail stores are completely sold out of them. And what it looks like is uh, they are expecting to get some more here in the next week or so, but at the same time, if you need one right now or want to get one, looks like Apple's your place to go. So... um, uh, before we go any further with that, did you get a chance to head on out and play with one at all, or have you been just too busy? No, was uh, too busy doing some other things this weekend, and uh, I really don't have any interest in purchasing one, so I guess I didn't even want to be tempted. There you go. Well, the uh, the, the next thing that we can mention here is, as you we heard from the voicemail, um, the the quality of the call um, is is a little bit questionable. Um, I would say that's got a few different factors playing into it though obviously number one it was in a loud uh, apple store it was sent through to a a voicemail system which is obviously a little bit lower quality but picked up a lot of the background noise Um, on the contrary one of the gizmodo stories here this week uh, refers back to wirelessinfo.com and the testing that they've done on it and what they're saying is that it scores higher on the frequency response test compared to the blackberry 8800 helio ocean lg prada Nokia N95 and the Trio 750, and the audio quality is great, um, and it sends, um, it has a bit of the side tone, which will allow you to hear yourself in conversation, which I know is is one of one of the things that you really like about it. Yeah, that's a great feature. I I miss that uh, dearly with the old cell phones, the old StarTax and the the old Motorola phones. Primarily, you could always hear yourself talking, so you always knew how loud to talk into your phone. So if you were in a quiet restaurant, you could actually, you know, talk to the person on the phone and be quiet where, and you know they could still hear you. But now everybody just shouts into their phone because they don't have that side tone like you do on your home phone when you talk, you know, on your the, kind of the traditional phone. You could always hear yourself talking so you know how loud to talk. So yeah. To, to at least to overcome the background noise and whatnot. I, I guess that's, uh, I, I couldn't tell when I made that call. It was very difficult. Um, to, to hear myself, but I did notice that 
when you when you put the phone up to your ear, the, the screen does shut off. Um, it's got that sensor in it that allows it to do that. And then when you pull it away, um, you're able to you're able to the screen comes back on and you're able to to do what you need to on the screen. So so that was pretty neat. One of those neat uh, neat uh, things that they have in there. Next thing we wanted to mention here is two-year agreements are not required for the cell phone is uh, or for the cell phone for the iPhone uh, is what uh, one of the rumors out there right now. People, I guess, are are, are going online and attempting to uh, activate this phone through iTunes, I guess, or maybe it's in the AT&T stores. And what's happening is maybe they have bad credit and no or no credit, and AT&T is saying, you know what? we'll just give you a little bit more expensive of a plan and you can go on a month to month prepaid basis and you don't have to sign a contract. Um, I read this on Saturday and went back to an AT&T store yesterday and sat down uh, and, and was talking to one of the guys about it and, and they didn't have any. So that goes back to one of the other stories. There's a lot of stores that don't have it now. But what happened was I said, well, I'm in the process of uh, purchasing a house, which I kind of was. I'm not really anymore, but that's beside the point. Um, and I, I said I didn't really want to do anything to upset the potential credit check right before the loan was given to us. And he said, well, then you're kind of out of luck. He said, you, we have to sign two-year contracts uh, with everyone purchasing the iPhone. So it, it, kind of some conflicting information there. I'm not really sure what to, to make of that, but I guess we, we may see in the future. And there's no, there's no good information on it yet, at least that I could find out there. Um, that talks about what um, what the pricing plans would be. They say a little bit more expensive, slightly more expensive. But what is that, you know? Yeah, they really don't. Yeah, for the searching I was doing, I didn't find anything either. But it's an interesting option, and obviously they should have that option. You, you shouldn't have to do a credit check just to buy a cell phone, I kind would, of in my opinion. And you definitely don't want to do it before buying a house, that's for sure. I'd be interested to hear if there's anyone that's had the opportunity to to get that, uh, that option offered to them and, and what they were offered as far as payment plans. And I'm sure by, I, I say the next show, but I'm sure by tomorrow we'll have some, some more information on this if, if that is in fact doable or not. So, well, about three years ago, BMW announced that you could hook up your iPod to your BMW. Well, starting uh, the 29th, they are now saying you can tie your iPhone into their products. And what they're offering is... The iPhone plugged in through, I guess, the same the same cord as what you would plug in your iPod through, and it allows you to do, you know, integration with your music playback, um, hands-free Bluetooth calling if you pair it with the Bluetooth built into the to the BMWs, and um, some other things. One of the things that I'm sure we may see down the road is the option uh, for Bluetooth streaming music uh, into your into your car. But at this point, the, the Bluetooth is only for, for uh, audio streaming of voice calls. So you can't stream any A2DP uh, music from your iPhone over to um, a headset or any sort of car integration or things like that. But the kind of cool thing is, is the built-in controls and stuff. So you plug in your iPhone, it charges, and then it plays all your music on there. And um, I, I'd be interested to see what happens when you when a call comes in. Does it flip over? Do you have to pick it up and, and talk on it? And it and the audio comes through the speakers or anything like that. But um, I, you know, Joey, I really like the when they integrate 
the phones into the cars like this because it's a lot, a, a lot, a lot more convenient. I think for for many people when they get in the car, they don't have to remember their headset and charging that. It just you know syncs up and and you're ready to go. A call comes in, it mutes your music, and and there's your call. I like that. Yeah, it's nice and easy. It's, it's safer too. Definitely. Well, the uh, the edge network that it's operating on that everyone has had an issue with up until this point has kind of gotten a, a little boost in speed. And while the people are still saying it is slow, uh, obviously much slower than Wi-Fi, it is definitely usable. And the, the network has seemed to have been upgraded um, to average speeds, or maybe not average speeds, but, but good speeds uh, when you're in strong coverage areas to about 200 kilobits a second, which still not up to the HSDPA speeds of almost a megabit, but much better than the 50 to 100 kilobit readings that a lot of people were seeing. I mean, it's definitely usable for browsing web pages and, and, doing, and doing other things. You know, obviously email is going to be fine at that speed. You're, it's going to pull it down with no problems. Um, but you know they're they're saying the speeds range as far as um, as far as kilobits 16.8 to 29.8 kilobits a second um, in in Washington D.C. So um, I I like it. I think it's good. I think it it also benefits the other AT&T subscribers that are using that are using the Edge network still. And um, I, I know this definitely is something that a lot of a lot of you know the other guys aren't aren't focusing on it. Uh, AT&T is, uh, has stepped up with that. So I'm glad for that for them. Well, another thing that we heard from Steve Jobs right before the, the iPhone was announced on Friday was that every one of his employees, both full-time, part-time, and temporary, were all going to be receiving iPhones. Uh, that's about $12 million worth of the technology that uh, will be going out to them. Now, they don't get them right away. Uh, there looks like they're forcing the, the employees to wait until kind of the buzz has died down a little bit. They're saying mid to late uh, July is when, are when these phones are going to be out there. So uh, good question. When are or who is going to be covering the costs of, of using the phone? I guess um, my thought would be that's kind of up to the employee. I, there's no way Apple would be covering the monthly fees with that. But uh, it's a good point. You can't do anything with the phone until you actually activate it. So that's pretty neat. But um, Yeah, wait, wait for those to come out on eBay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, speaking of eBay, have you uh, eBayed iPhone here today? I have heard, yeah. but I haven't done it today. You know, the, the initial... Uh, uh, postings that were up there the auctions were somewhere in the neighborhood of you know a thousand dollars fifteen hundred dollars something like that and i am thinking why they're they're still out there they're still available they're still at the store yeah drive down to a store now i guess if you're someone who doesn't live in an area that has an at&t store or an apple store even buy them i guess that would be worth it but they've, they've dropped no, substantially no because you order it from uh, apple.com okay all right so so why would you spend a penny more than five ninety nine then, right? No idea. Yeah. Well, I guess if you wanted to get it quicker, um, I guess that'd be the only thing that I can think of at this point. Apple is saying two to four weeks for delivery, and eBay the the eBay auctions are saying they'll do immediate overnight delivery. So I guess yeah, right at this right at this moment, there are uh, an eight gig closing in uh, less than two minutes here. 23 bids, it is going for $661. Is that free and overnight shipping? Uh, Yes. Okay, and I, I could do it, that. And here's a 671 that's closing in 11 minutes for free overnight shipping. So, 
Yeah, you're you're really not uh, getting much. You're not. They're not getting much more than what the phone's worth there, plus the shipping. Yeah, I mean, thirty bucks maybe. What is overnight shipping on? I guess the package is pretty heavy. Um, you know, the the phone itself is substantial, and it's a very dense box. I mean, there's there's a lot of packaging in there, so the I would say probably thirty to forty bucks for shipping. So unless you're getting more than six sixty or six thirty, um, you're kind of kind of out a few bucks <laughs> plus tax what about all the yeah. tax these people paid they're they're getting nothing true so anyway that's yeah here, here's an issue they, a guy like two with two minutes left oh yeah I'll buy it now two thousand dollars with the bidding <laughs> starting at eight hundred dollars uh-huh. uh-huh no bids can you believe that yeah <laughs> can't believe would it. be interesting if what what happens if they sell out of the eight gig iphones here in the next week and they don't they're not expected to have them for another month these these uh, eBay sellers should hold on to their phones for a week here. Yeah, yeah, that would be uh, that that would be the one thing that I could see happening is that everyone's going to want to for the extra hundred bucks just get the eight gig. You know why waste your time with the four? Um, and if that's the case, then then yeah, we may see a shortage of those for a while. But you know, I, I'm sure they're they'll figure out what they need to do, um, what they need to make as far as as uh, uh, the the capacity of them over time. Yeah, and I'm sure they made more eight gigs, based on that price point. Oh yeah, they, they, I mean, they probably they priced to. it. They probably priced it based on uh, how many they made. The fact that they could make the 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 eight gigs for six hundred, and and then they said, okay, we'll make some four gigs here, so we'll drop it down a little bit. So you're still paying a premium to get the eight, but if you want the four, you're you don't you can pay a little bit less. Yeah, because uh, every advertisement you heard or every news story they always mention oh it cost five hundred dollars to get an iphone you know they use the cheap price so yep absolutely well you you sent over a a a fun one here and this is the the iphone uh, dissected and this one is from anantech.com and there were there were a number of dissections out there and i thought this one was one of the better ones, and they, they did a nice picture-by-picture picture, uh, overview and, and even to the point where they zoomed in on some of the, you know, the areas where that, of interest to me, like under the, the bottom back part of the phone where you have the little black piece is where the Wi-Fi and GSM antennas are, which is, I think, a, a great place to put them because your hand is kind of naturally drawn to the top of the phone when you're holding it, which a lot of people who own it can attest to. And, um, you know, so, some other great pictures as, as they've gone through and kind of picked it apart and then went to the screen and pulled the layers of the screen apart. That was pretty neat, too, to see, you know, that there is a um, the uh, an LCD with uh, two middle layers and a, a final piece, uh, the final glass that goes on top of it. Really, really neat. Um, did do you have any any thoughts on this or what they did or um, what they could have done or what they should have done well, with this? I always find it fascinating when you take devices like this apart, just because you get to see what's inside of it. I love taking things apart and seeing how it works and whatever chipsets are in there. And they looked at whatever like the main processors are and made some assumptions based on part numbers. Uh, from Samsung and what the processor could be with integrated memory and yada, yada, yada. So it's kind of neat to see what the flash chips on there. Um, but another neat thing about when you take devices apart like this, what they didn't point out anything um, kind of surprisingly here, but a lot of times you'll find a bunch of chips that aren't being used yet or, or a chip that has all kinds of features that aren't being used yet. 
so then that gets the uh you know the code writers to to start kind of you know cracking or hacking to get oh to get the a2dp working or to get uh you know the high speed radio working you know if there was a 3g radio in here they'd look for the chip that actually is a 3g chip and see that oh there is a chip there we just have to activate the hardware yeah so nothing was really mentioned like that in this particular article so um, that's a little disappointing probably to some people but we'll see I, well and and i think the the fact that we've been able to see there's in the next story here we'll kind of transition into that talking about scratching uh, and dropping the phone and there were there were a number of people who initially you know started to to take take apart these things and look at them well pc mag picked one up and and that night did a video on a drop test from waist height onto carpet and then uh, like basically chest height onto a linoleum floor and then from head height onto concrete multiple times Ooh. Yeah, yeah. To watch it is just—it's almost painful because he drops it multiple times, and and it continues to work. But you had a good point. Um, you know, what's the—you know—is the accelerometer going to still work in these? Is uh, you know—is everything going to still be functioning like it should? Is the—is the—is the screen going to be off a little bit? And um, you know, when they did this, but <laughs> is it going to work? <laughs> is it going to work? Yeah. I mean, it's still—it's still lit up. He was able. They were able to push the buttons. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and they did, they did a lot of, like, they did a lot of them, like three or four of them on the video, dropping it out of the concrete and you Ugh, know, no, the, cr- the key, the, the, the scratching, the, the thing with the key is pretty horrific. Oh yeah. They put it in a, well, they do two things. They put it in a bag with a bunch of keys and stuff and <laughs> shake it up. And then, and then he actually mushes it. He puts some keys in it and mushes it like he's, I don't know, like, you know, rolling dough, you know, with the keys on the screen. It's just, oh, you know, but it didn't scratch it. So that's, looks like it's holding up pretty well. Um, that's awesome. They, yeah. they, uh, they learned from the, uh, what was it? The iPod Nano snafu, oh, I guess. Yes. Yeah. They, uh, that, that's nice. They actually went above and beyond. Well, maybe not above and beyond, but they went kind of beyond the, the, the current norm for screens. Yeah. Yep, and I think that this is one of the one of those devices where they needed to do it because if they did not make it durable, if this thing would have just fallen apart with the first drop, I think a lot of people would have been pretty upset with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, last but not least, and then we'll get off of our our iPhone talk here. I just wanted to give briefly give some of my thoughts. I spent 40 minutes with the phone on uh, uh, Friday night. I went to the store. I was at the store about an hour before. It was launched and, and watched the line and took some pictures and some video, which are all up on uh, MickeyPapillon.com that uh, you can get to and, and, um, and view all of those if you'd like. And uh, so anyway, so the, the line was pretty long and, and I didn't feel like waiting. So I went home and came back about three hours later. And uh, one thing, some of the thoughts that I had were, it, you know, it's a very small device. It's very sleek. It's very sexy. It, it feels very good in your hand to hold it. It's very... Very nice. I think a lot of people who have it are really enjoying uh, what it looks like and how it feels, and and that as far as the you know the usability of it from that aspect. Uh, the music player is really good. Uh, the uh, the ability to use the cover flow where you can scroll through the different covers is is very nice. Uh, I didn't have any problems with that. But the few things that I will say uh, with Safari, I had a lot of problems with it. Uh, it crashed multiple times with me. Um, I would be, I would go to a website and I would either, you know, rotate it to bring it up in a landscape mode, and it would either not do it or take 
five to 10 seconds before it would rotate. Um, and then maybe I'd try and turn it back vertical then, and it would then go horizontal. And so that was kind of goofy. Um, like I visited the cell phone junkie, clicked on one of our links and it clicked through just fine. Uh, went back and then clicked on another link and it crashed, dumped me back into the home screen. Same thing with Google Maps. I had the same type of problems. I would, I would launch Google Maps. I would find an address that I wanted to go to, uh, would flip over to say a satellite view or something, would try and scroll around on the screen and, and it would crash. It would basically send me back to the home screen. And so that was a little frustrating. Um, on the movies, uh, I played around with some of the movies. They seemed to sort of work. Um, I don't know if it was the particular phone that I had. I, I couldn't verify that. Um, but some of them, some of them didn't play. It said it was a one second clip and it never actually popped up on the screen. Uh, the Italian job clip uh, that was preloaded on it worked just fine. Uh, but the school of rock one did not. So that was, that was a little interesting, you know, and the keyboard, it's very different. That's probably the best way that you can say with one finger, the tip of your pointer finger, um, or both pointer fingers, it's actually pretty good. I was actually to be, I was very accurate with it. With my thumbs, I really was not able to get anything of any sort of accuracy at all. And there are some people that are out there that have done some, some initial reviews on how you can do it. One of them shows where you put your finger on the screen and slide it over to the key. And because when your finger is on the screen, it pulls up the key into a bigger... Uh, a bigger look or a bigger view, like a thumbnail of it, uh, it's a lot easier to kind of see where you're hitting. So if you put your finger on the screen, slide it over to the key, put your and then let go, put your finger on the screen, slide it over. That was probably uh, one of the most innovative ways I've seen someone typing on it so far. Um, but those were, those were some of my initial thoughts on it. Um, I went back again on Saturday. I think I mentioned that and played with it at an AT&T store, completely different model, same type of problems. Google maps, uh, crashed completely on me. You can ask my wife. She was sitting right there with me when I was playing with it. And I just kind of went, mm. okay. So anyway, I, at this point, I'm not saying I'm not going to get it, but at this point it's, it's not, it's not in my hands. It's not going to be something that I'm going to pick up. So, uh, that's Joey. That's where I stand. And, uh, you know, we'll see going forward. I think there's going to be some people that will, that will have an issue with me not wanting to, you know, not getting it, but, um, you know what? Yeah, there's always the, there's always the naysayers like you. No, <laughs> no, it, it, I, I am sure that there'll be problems identified. Uh, I'm sure because there's obviously so much attention on this device and there's obviously so many people that have picked up the device and are, are really excited about it. And, uh, you know, crashes like that will be disappointing to some people. Obviously, some people look beyond the crashes. And obviously, Apple will fix some of them, probably not all of them. It's just, you know, just cat and mouse game. Mm -hmm. um, this, is a, well, this is a great article you found here, though. Why don't you talk a little bit about this as far as, as the crashing with it that they've observed? Uh, this is a blog post just found on the Internet, just kind of looking for iPhone crashing, and uh, this particular person had it crashing five times within five minutes. Um, you know, that it's going to happen. I mean, this is obviously a very complicated device. Um, software can go bad if every little, you know, test case isn't done. And, you know, sometimes you can't predict the website that's going to be running, how much memory that's going to take, you know, yada, yada, yada. It can go on and on and on. So, We'll see how they uh, fix it up. Yeah, it's and it, this could be firmware, this could be software, this could be next generation at this point. 
but the title of this blog post says it all. It is a first generation device. Um, you know, the, most it's, he says most of the apps are stable. Um, it took 24 hours to discover that crashing was so easy. The troublemaker Safari. Um, all I have to do is to get it to crash is do a little bit of zooming and dragging with about 20 seconds of determination. I can get a cra- determination and get a crash to occur. I, I guess that was just me. I, maybe I'm trying to use it too quickly or something, but you know, I, I wanted to use it. I wanted to scroll around and do what I wanted to do with it and just kept, kept having, I mean, it was just, it was annoying. So that's, that's, that's that. <laughs> so here, like this article describes Safari as being both the web browser and the engine behind Google Maps. And True. what were you doing, Mickey, that got your uh, Google Maps trash? It was, it was flipping over from a map view to a satellite view and then trying to scroll around on the screen. Or zoom, okay, or well, zoom in. So Yeah, that's one of the major features that have been touted. So uh, look for a Safari upgrade shortly. <laughs> shortly. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Well, you know what? That's all we're going to talk about the iPhone for today. Okay. Um, that's that's more than enough. 25 minutes has is, is got me for one day. So we, uh, we found a great site. Actually, Joey, you found this one about Exchange Server 2007 support for mobile devices. You know, a lot of people just think about Windows mobile devices when they think about Exchange and ActiveSync. Motorola Q? Motorola Q, yes. Or maybe trios? the tri- Trios. Okay. What, what else we got? I don't know. Any of the, the HTC devices. But you know what? They've got other ones as well. They have uh, the first one here, any of the... Devices that support DataViz. Um, DataViz is a Microsoft Gold certified partner. Uh, it's got more than 22 years of Microsoft Office compatibility experience, and it provides a commercially available Exchange ActiveSync client called RoadSync. So, any of the devices that uh, you can use RoadSync on, which include uh, Symbian, I, it's funny they mentioned Windows Mobile. I don't know why you'd want to use them with Windows Mobile, but I guess you could. Um, the uh, <laughs> The Motorola Razor, um, some of the Sony Ericsson devices, which we'll get to also here in a second. But there's there's actually quite a few here. So if you're interested in, in um, using the RoadSync application, uh, you can do so through DataViz. There's uh, probably some other features that this have, uh, or that RoadSync has that the, the actual ActiveSync does not. Um, like here, it's integrated with Documents to Go. Um, it's got subfolders and uh, online mail search. It's got some flags and some SharePoint uh, add-ons too for enterprise. So, yeah, that's probably a few extra little things. Yeah, the uh, it has remote wipe, which for those of you who have used the the, the service with uh, you know Microsoft Service Pack or Feature Pack two, you know that that's a feature on there. But maybe you're not someone whose company or Exchange server supports that, and so you maybe want to install it yourself so you can remote wipe a device. So yeah, you're right. They've got some. They've got some other little features that are on there. Any of the uh, the Nokia Series 60 devices, I believe these are, which the include the E50, the E61, and the E62, uh, are supported. They have the Nokia um, software on the device supports Microsoft Exchange ActiveSync, so that's pretty good. Uh, Sony Ericsson devices doesn't look like uh, your wife's phone is on here, but the the P990, M600, and the W950 all work with ActiveSync. So that's pretty yeah, good. that is pretty neat. Yeah. And uh, then Palm, obviously everyone knows all the Windows Mobile Palms work, but the Trio 680, 650, and the LifeDrive Mobile Manager can also also have the, the Exchange um, ActiveSync integration within them as well. Uh, Mo- and that's for using the uh, Wi-Fi. That's if you're using Wi-Fi and Bluetooth on that LifeDrive one. 
So yes. not even over a cell phone data now. Yeah, you know, it's I do it as well with my uh, my iPack thirty one fifteen. I use the the Wi Fi connection to synchronize all my data on there directly back to my Exchange server, so I can have that always up to up up to date as well as uh, my BlackBerry and um, you know obviously uh, my Outlook on the computer. It's all the same and it all synchronizes together and it's great. So I barely remember the days that a, a PDA is not a phone. That's true. <laughs> you know, I love it for, for my sling, you know, because I can watch sling on the PDA, which mm-hmm. is a sore subject right now because I still haven't got it working. I don't oh, know. What, no. I moved. I don't know what the heck happened, but it's not working right now, and I'm, I'm, I'm beside myself with it, but I'm working with sling. Hopefully, I'll get it resolved here um, in the next couple of days, hopefully. Uh, anyway, okay. the, the last two, Motorola and Symbian, both also are able to um, incorporate Exchange Active Sync in them as well. The Moto Sync is the Motorola synchronizing framework uh, that allows you to do that. So such devices like the A780 and the A910. Well, the the next one here, uh, Verizon uh, is also was into the June 29th uh, launching of services and and stuff that was out there. It wasn't just AT and T. They have decided to upgrade their entire network uh, to EVDO Reve. And what that means is speeds are bumping up a little bit. So the EVDO people that are out there know you can get probably between four and 700 kilobit a second downloads from pretty much anywhere on the EVDO network. Well, EVDO Reve is going to offer up to 1.4 megabit downloads. Uh, so kind of blowing it away uh, as far as what they had, kind of jumping, jumping past HSDPA as well. And I know the uh, HSUPA rollout is probably going to begin for some of the 3G GSM people out there. But uh, that was a pretty, a pretty interesting thing that they announced. And going along with that, they are offering their standalone broadband access, which is quote-unquote unlimited, which we know is somewhere between 4 and 5 gigs a month. Uh, for down to 60 bucks a month. It used to be 80 bucks, and so they're dropping that down, which is, um, I think, a great thing that they're doing. I always thought, I, I think 60 bucks is a lot, but at the same time, um, what do I know, right? So, but Well, sixty. I mean, $60 isn't that bad for, you know, especially if it's the EVDO Reve, which, which is 100% done. If you've got EVDO access, you have Reve access available, if your device supports it. If your device supports it, yep. So 50 bucks, 60 bucks, um, you know, cable modem DSL in certain areas, it's that expensive. It's, it's that expensive here where I live. It's, uh, it seems really bad for the three megabit cable. So, I mean, for being wireless, that's not that bad of a price. As long as that unlimited, quote unquote, access is fairly unlimited. I think a lot of people will use it. I think a lot of people will... Well, for sixty bucks, if if they can in fact see real world speeds of up to one point four megabits, uh, it's pretty good. I, I mean, I love my EVDO card, and I'm thankful that I have it because it's it's great. And even with the slower speeds, it's still much better than than anything else that's out there. Um, I I that's something to be said for for coverage areas because yes, I know AT and T is is faster, but Verizon's bigger, so. <laughs> It is. AT&T bought Dobson Communications for $2.8 billion on Friday. You know, AT&T was, you know, the big hype was all about, you know, the iPhone and what's going on with that, how many they're going to sell and this and that. Well, they they picked up for, 
about another 1.7 million users on Friday as well with the, the acquisition of Dobson Communications, which should be noted is operating as Cellular One. So if you're a Cellular One subscriber, welcome to the big blue AT&T network, um, probably boosting them back to the number one spot. I know AT&T and Verizon have been kind of neck and neck as far as subscribers, but um, I think this will, you know, with a, an acquisition and in, in an immediate 1.7 million user bump not to mention how many people are going to switch over to this iphone i don't know if you heard about it joey it was the revolutionary revolutionary new device that apple launched on friday an iphone iphone i've heard of ipods (laughs) kind of sort of hey sprint also announced something on friday as well it was kind of like cell phone mania day um sprint says no more nextel and i i have to laugh because you pointed out they 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 switched over their marketing campaign and they're they're have left nextel in the dust their their new tagline i guess we'll call it is sprint ahead and instead of listing the phone separately like they always have for sprint and nextel they now have uh mobile uh, or excuse me, PDA smartphones, TV music phones, camera phones, and my favorite, walkie-talkie phones. And I know it was probably something just to, so people knew specifically they were talking about the Nextel feature, but it's walkie-talkie is just such a, I, I don't know, the, the name just, just grates on me. I, I don't like to hear that. And the, you know. No, and it it's, obviously doesn't accurately describe what the Nextel feature is. Yeah. Because doesn't use uh you know regular over-the-air walkie-talkie connection which i still most people i run into they think that's how they work they connect to each other uh, directly not over the cell phone network they don't know that when you're pressing that button you're five feet away from the person next to you it's running five miles out or three miles out to your tower and then running to probably some processor and then running back to the person standing right next to you Mm -hmm. so yep well they're they're gone. Nextel is pretty much done from their marketing campaign. So I don't know what to say other than goodbye, good riddance. Let's start working on your network, getting everyone switched over to CDMA and so the we can move on with our lives. And, and, and Yeah, and don't misunderstand, Mickey. Nextel is going to be here. It's not going anywhere. Oh, yeah. But the obvious, the marketing uh, side of things there. Uh, Sprint has just has flopped with this something fierce. Uh, on their implementation here and their integration of Nextel. Very good point. Yeah, Nextel is still here. It's just no longer being part of, you know, being marketed. We'll just put it that way. T-Mobile is uh, hopefully going to be getting, this is this is all speculation, but um, this is from crunchgear.com, uh, is hopefully going to be getting a curve, uh, the 8320 BlackBerry, uh, which is what the, the model number is, the Curve 2. And it is a... The, the thing that makes it special, other than the fact it's an upgrade to the Curve, is it's going to have Wi-Fi. And uh, that would be the first BlackBerry to have Wi-Fi. Oh, it is, huh? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, other specs on it, 3.2 megapixel camera, which is pretty darn good for a cell phone, that's for sure. Uh, the uh, 3.5 millimeter jack on it, micro SD card slot, which is cool, so you can upgrade your, your storage capacity to it. Wi-Fi compatible, 64 megs of memory, uh, media uh, streaming media support. Uh, talk about 17 days of standby time. Um, yeah, that's if you don't use it with your email, I guess. Stereo Bluetooth, which is cool. Uh, Windows Media, uh, DRM and uh, MTP support, and uh, high-speed USB. So 
pretty good. I I would actually definitely consider getting this. I mean, it really integrates a lot of the features that people love about Windows Mobile into a device that gets its email probably better than anyone else with the BlackBerry system. So that's great. I, I just wanted to mention that one, and, and we'll see where that takes us. Black, Go ahead, Joe. No, I was just going to say that's a nice-looking device. I mean, it, it looks slick. It, I mean, it looks a lot like the, uh, the, the first Motorola Q, and, uh, you know, it's pretty much direct competition with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice little change to the keyboard, too, should be noted. I really, really like that. I don't like the, the 8830 keyboard, which is what I wanted to mention next. Sprint is launching their 8830. Uh, that was their news from, I think, Friday, if I remember correctly. They said that they would start announcing this. The, the biggest difference between the 8830 on Sprint and the one on Verizon is that Sprint's GSM SIM slot is unlocked. So you can choose an international carrier and pick up a prepaid SIM card once you get where you're going. And um, so I, that's fantastic. But what the other thing to be noted is that they, they don't let make you do it. Um, they will offer unlimited BlackBerry email and web access across the U.S., Canada, Mexico on CDMA, and then uh, GSM and GPRS carriers abroad uh, with their roaming rates. So they're... Uh, you know, it's it's it. Sorry, I, I should mention this before I go on. This is the, this is the world phone. In case you you didn't pick up on that, the the eighty eight thirty is the one that has built in uh, GSM into it. So, um, something that's good if you're a Sprint user. So, Joey, hop on that one. Pick one of those. Yeah, it's up. a great. It's uh, ob, you know obviously a great device because not only is the BlackBerry BlackBerry for the uh, you know business users. And uh, who is it that does most of the international traveling, at least on a frequent basis? Uh, or pseudo frequent basis, and that'll be the business user. So it's perfect, perfect meld. Yep, for the business user to have that international phone. Whereas, obviously, price of the international traveling, it's great with the Sprint option because you can just dump in a prepaid card wherever you're at. So yep, and and obviously that is the cheapest way to go um, when you're in that foreign country. Yeah, I've talked about that in the past. If you're ever traveling internationally, uh, best way to do it: unlock GSM phone with a prepaid SIM and just give everybody that number, or give your you can call out from it and you get the best rates that way. Outside of some of the the internet uh, calling cards or like a, a voice over IP, but as far as a mobile yeah. way, that's the best. Yeah, just make sure you've got the uh, the phone you have has the right bands in it. Get a quad band phone, yeah, uh, an unlocked quad band. Yep. Or 1800 and uh, 900 service, if you want to be specific. Okay. Remote administration for your Windows mobile device is now available from the LogMeIn service. LogMeIn.com has announced new software that you can load on your Windows mobile device, and uh, IT or whoever can log in remotely, take access of your smartphone. Uh, It's pretty neat. It actually pulls up on their computer screen a replica of your smartphone screen and you can they can actually push the buttons on the phone manipulate the screen and, and basically control the device just like it's in their hand but on a computer screen kind of a, a step in the right direction for remote administration or troubleshooting of problems uh, for the windows mobile devices at least so i thought that was at least worth a mention uh, i kind of like that i <laughs> if there was ever an issue that uh, that you know i couldn't solve if someone else wanted to hop on that's really good on to the questions. First one here is from Travis. Travis says, I recently installed Jive Talk on my BlackBerry 8700G. And once in a while, when I sign in, Jive Talk will turn off my wireless completely. I have to then manually go in and turn it back on. Have you heard or experienced this issue at all? 
Travis, I have not experienced that, although I don't use Jive Talk. I use the uh, the Google uh, the Google Chat uh, application that's available for the BlackBerry. And uh, I have not seen any issue like that. But what I would say is it, it probably is a bug in the software. I, I don't know if you've tried uninstalling Jive Talk and reinstalling it. Uh, if that makes any difference, my guess is probably not. But if enough people have this issue, um, then I, I know Jive Talk will probably take, in, you know, take into account that and upgrade the software at some point. I, that's kind of how those things tend to work. So just make sure that you're in communication with them and let them know the issues that you're having so that they can hopefully uh, upgrade the, the service with that and, um, and make that so it's not happening anymore. Yeah, try their support, then maybe try to do some web searches, maybe in their forums or or uh, some BlackBerry forums. Yep, absolutely. A couple of things here from our friend Jerry. Jerry says, apparently uh, an increase in edge speeds uh, since shutting down analog has happened. And he shot a link over here. And uh, something we talked about earlier in the show with the, the boost in edge speeds on the AT&T network. And he says, just a comment. I listened to your show last night. The shutting down of the analog system affects me. Just to be clear, we were actually talking about the TDMA shutdown that's going to be occurring 2007 into 2008. Uh, but on the, on the side with that, they're also shutting down analog with that as well. So, But he says, shutting down affects me. My 2003 Saab has OnStar, which I view as an insurance policy. Unfortunately, it uses analog via AT&T, and neither Saab nor OnStar will be providing any upgrade path to the new digital system. I am upset. Some criticize OnStar for what it provides, but like I said, in case of emergency, I like knowing it's there. Oh, and by the way, in response to the expenses in comparison of the iPhone, as you discussed, you forgot the cost of the relatively large SD card, which I can see it thus far Nothing comes close to 8 gigabytes. I know the SDHC, the high-capacity SD cards, uh, go pretty high, but you know as well as I do, not all devices support the standard, and they're also pretty expensive. Just thought I'd add that in. That's a great point. Uh, one thing we didn't man- mention when we were talking about, you know, if you want to buy an iPhone, it's going to cost you five or $600 versus the, you know, what you'd need to buy, like a Windows mobile phone to, or a, a cell phone and an iPod. And, you know, he says, you know, what about the 8 gigs of memory? So... That's uh yeah that's I mean right and that's there. at least a hundred bucks to get an eight gig SD card if your device would support the the SDHC card. Which my experience in the in the recent history has been like with the trio I went and bought a four gigabyte SDHC card. Nada, just popped it in. It it beeped, but it didn't do anything. So there's uh there's something to be said about that and and uh, the the ability to have eight gigs on your phone in your pocket. Yeah. But I'd like to comment about the analog thing. We have talked about that before, and we've actually specifically mentioned the OnStar dilemma that that, that, that creates, um, the dropping off of the analog signals. Um, I don't know exactly who is committed to, to canceling their analog systems, um, especially out of the city. Um, if, if they're in fact going to shut them down or leave them running when they're not in the high population density areas uh we don't know that yet for a fact what's going to happen but yeah it, it's unfortunate but you know you you're kind of left out with the uh the onstar system i mean that's really the only thing that's still really utilizing the analog in any major capacity i know there's a lot of um uh, alarm systems burglar alarms for your house or your business that use analog systems for backup if your phone line gets cut they'll use a an analog 
cell phone for that as well. And I know a lot of people there are going to have to upgrade. But the the OnStar thing, that's pretty pretty bad. I I would hope that uh, they're working on it, and I would hope that they will provide a fix for all these GM cars that will just go dark. It's not good. It's it's really not good. And I mean, not to not to mention the the analog phone I have sitting in my glove box, as I know you do. What are we gonna do yep. with those? Uh oh. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are at the end of our time here, and uh, show number 58 will be coming up next week. If you have any questions or comments that you want to send over to us, the website is thecellphonejunkie.com. Our email address is thecellphonejunkie at gmail.com. And our phone number for voicemail is 602-903-4116. And we appreciate your time, as always, Joey. And until next time, have a good one. Thanks for listening.